Morning, everyone. Let's see. Oh, there's no, oh, there is a clock. <laughs> but you know, I have double vision problems, so I can't quite see it. If you have your Bibles with you or uh, can open electronically to a Bible, uh, go to Matthew f- uh, 14, and we're going to read uh, the middle, from the middle part of the chapter. Um, ver- well, verse 22. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get, in, get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he d- dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, truly you are the Son of God. It's great to be here today. I told George this is the first time I've spoken in this chapel, so it's an incredible honor. My wife came early and and, uh, said what a beautiful, uh, well, what a beautiful chapel it is. I'm grateful that Adam led the music. I told him earlier, I don't, my father was a gifted singer, but it didn't pass to me or my brother. I, I'd be terrified to, to, to lead worship. Uh, for years, this story in Matthew has been one of my favorites, the story of Jesus and then Peter walking on water. And I want to share fourth, uh, three things with, with you about it today. I'll give you a tip, though, if you ever start your own religion. Um, <clears throat> You, you want to have Jesus on your side. So no matter what group you start, what title you give, you've got to bring Jesus into it. It's amazing, it, whether it's Islam or Hinduism or Buddhism or New Age or, um, or other groups, even some Orthodox Jews are, are, have started to say great things about Jesus. So make sure Jesus is on your side when you start your group. But uh, I'll tell you one tip. Don't try to imitate Jesus on the supernatural. I saw a video once of a Hindu guru who said he could walk on water, and uh, it didn't go well. (laughs) Now, you think he would practice ahead of time, but it doesn't look like he did. Well, here's three truths, uh, three things about this uh, great story. First of all, I want you to think about its truthfulness. Is this story true? Did it happen? And one thing I'll tell you uh, in relation to thinking about what's possible, you don't know what's possible just by thinking about it. And I'll illustrate it this way. Imagine that you don't know anything other than the most basic facts. And then someone says to you, 
we're going to introduce you to the most complicated thing in the universe. But we're going to stick to planet Earth. We're just going to show you things on Earth. And so imagine that you were taken to the most complicated computer system in the world. And you look at those incredible machines that can do amazing things. And then somebody takes you to one and say one of the biggest mechanical uh, machines in the world. Uh, if you didn't know much, you would think that you're getting close to the truth. And then if someone handed you a three-pound object that felt like tofu and told you this is the most complicated thing in the world, you would think that's crazy. It can't possibly be true. Now, do you know what we're talking about there? What's three pounds and, and feels like tofu? The brain. The, if you look up the brain on uh, the internet and read facts about it, it's absolutely spectacular. So listen, we don't know ahead of time what's possible. Um, so could Jesus walk on water? Well, just logically, I think the co-creator of the world could walk on water. God in the Old Testament says all the time, hey, I made everything. <laughs> this is kind of scary, actually. Hey, I made the ears. Don't you think I can hear you talking? So uh, the reason I believe this story is true is because I trust the New Testament writers. I was just looking at Second Peter chapter 1, where uh, Peter writes... We've not followed cunningly devised fables. Luke begins his writings by talking about how careful he was. Um, I studied one time with the famous atheist Antony Flew, and uh, he became more open to the gospel because he started thinking about how, how these stories were written down really early. I studied with him, and my brother came to visit me once and when Flew was at York University. Uh, he's the Richard Dawkins of the 1970s, 80s, etc. My brother asked him when we went out for coffee afterwards, uh, do you ever doubt? Now, he was a hardcore atheist at the time. But he said to my brother, I do doubt. He said, when I was at Oxford in the days of C.S. Lewis, we thought the Gospels were written in the... Uh, in the 100s and, you know, a hundred and some years after Jesus died, we now know the New Testament is written in the first century. He said to me and my brother, I don't know how they could write it down so early and mess it all up. Now, I don't know if you know this, but by the time he died, he'd become a believer in God. So... I want you to think about the truthfulness of this, uh, of this famous account. The other reason I believe the basic message here, the basic story, is the interpretations that try to deal with it really screw up. There's a scholarly word for you. For example, how about this? Um, a German scholar from the 1700s says, what really happened is Jesus knew where the timber was that was floating on the water. And he walked on the timber beams. Uh, okay, so how's that for a good theory? There's another theory from a German scholar of this century uh, who said it, there was ice at the time, and I guess Jesus was walking on the ice, 
And then Peter got out. I guess he's walking on the ice and then he hits a soft spot and sinks a bit. Or uh, if you want to really see tortured interpretation, read William Barclay on this story. Barclay is one of the best-selling Bible commentators ever, but when it comes to miracles, he often just won't admit what the plain teaching says. So I believe this story is true, and I believe it has some implications for it. Uh, Besides being true, it's important. Why? Well, one, it shows the majesty of Jesus. Uh, Jesus knew, by the way, that miracles are hard to do. And so did everybody else. I mean, they may not know what we know scientifically, but they knew how the world worked. That's why they're scared when they see someone walking on water. They they knew that that doesn't normally happen. Jesus used logic about this topic. He said, hey, what's harder to uh, what's harder to do it's harder to forgive sins or heal the sick well it it's harder to heal the sick it's easy to forgive sins watch i'll do it i know what you did in the last year you're forgiven there i just forgave you but it's jesus did the harder thing to prove uh, he can do the easier thing so this story shows us the majesty of jesus i mentioned in the graduation on saturday that uh um, I've spent, as some of you know, I've spent a lot of time studying other religions. You know, when I first started and started looking at other religions, I'm a little nervous. But now, after 41 years of studying other religions, I don't expect to find someone as great as Jesus. I work with a guy named Gordon Melton, who's a professor at Baylor University. He's probably the most prolific religion scholar of all time in terms of world religions. He's written 75 books. Some of them are two million words long. Gordon was raised Methodist. He's still a Methodist. And he had relatives who were in other groups. So he told his minister, I want to go study about these other religions. And here's what the Methodist pastor said to him. Well, Gordon, you go ahead. You keep your head up. And I suppose if you find someone better than Jesus, you'll have to switch. Well, Gordon's been doing this study for... 60-some years, I think, and, uh, and uh, he's still with Jesus. The other thing about this story is not only it shows us about the majesty of Jesus, but it shows us that Jesus can be challenging. Oh, you of little faith, it says, he says to Peter. So sometimes we need challenge, don't we, that our faith isn't strong enough. Um, Okay, uh, so we talk about its truthfulness and uh, its importance. Uh, There's also a hint, well, not a hint, there's a clear signal of Jesus' grace. Yes, he does tell Peter, oh, you of little faith, but he reaches out to Peter, rescues him, and keeps working with Peter. And don't we need the grace of Jesus? I I was talking Saturday about... um, We need to balance our accomplishments with memories of things we've done wrong. One time I was uh, interviewing for a position at Weston Park Baptist Church. And so they had my resume and it said all sorts of fancy things. And the interview went really well. And then I was walking out of the church um, and I was pretty sure I'd be hired. But I realized I just set myself up. You know, all the 
nice things that can be said about me. So no kidding, I went actually back to the deacons meeting and told them, hey, listen, I don't want you to get the wrong opinion. Uh, These accomplishments are nice and they're real, but that's not the whole story. So you need to remember that I'm like every other human except Jesus, a sinner saved by grace. Now, here's the third thing. Not only is this story true, and that an ordinary, normal interpretation that has been believed by virtually all church traditions, not only is it true and it's important, but it's useful. So here's, uh, here's some things where this story is useful. First, I would, I would suggest to you that if God's going to use you to walk on water or something like it, that it's probably going to be in line with what God has gifted you for. You know, we heard Adam, Adam, it's right, right? I call, did I, Adam, where are you? Did I call you Mark earlier? Yeah, so sorry if I called you Mark, um, but you know I'm 65 and... Anyway, I told Adam I'd be so nervous if I had to do what he does. So listen... If God's going to use you, it's probably in line with what you're good at. And here's where it's not surprising that Peter's the one to say, Lord, if it's you. Why? Because he's a leader type. So a leader type sits in the boat and he sees something over there and then he thinks it might be Jesus. He hears the voice and then the leader takes charge. Lord, if it's you, let me come to you on the water. I wonder if other disciples said, here goes Peter again. So God will use you, and he'll probably, no, he will use you best in the areas that you're decent at. So do great things for God, but remember your gifting. Uh, Gloria and I, my wife here, uh, who's put up with me for almost 45 years, um, we're staying up in E504, and our window looks out on the, the guys and girls climbing the roof. So I was thinking about walking on water, miracles happen, and I looked up at one of the guys up on the roof and I said, that'll never be me. That will never be me. I'm not gifted in that kind of stuff. One time I uh, changed a light bulb outside our front door when we lived in Pickering, and I got a stepladder. These are bold, courageous moves, by the way. Got a stepladder, went up two steps, changed the light bulb, and went inside and told my wife, Guess what she said? No, you didn't. You got Rick, our neighbor, to do it. No, I did it, dear. You're a handyman. Do great things for God, and they will fit your gifting and your abilities. Here's another tip. You should hear the words of Jesus. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. It's scary to take big steps. For Jesus. Um, I thought of that recently. Well, as I thought about today, I thought of some moves I've made that were hard. For example, when I studied with Anthony Flew, I, I, was, uh, I was 30, I'd been a professor for seven years, doing my doctorate, so they let me go study with them. So here, I'm a Christian, I'm about to take a course with the most famous atheist of the day, 
who's written really rigorous attacks on Christianity. I remember being nervous. I thought I should do it, but it was a step of faith to, to walk in there and uh, be with him. Here's another example of it, uh, taking a step and I needed the encouragement of Jesus. I became friends with the head of the church of Satan. Isn't that weird? See, weird things can be true. Um, so I became friends with him. I wrote his website and said, can you uh, confirm some information about the church of Satan? So his wife wrote back and then, and then Peter corresponded with me. Then I talked to him on the phone and he helped me. So I said, I'll buy you dinner uh, or lunch in uh, New York City. Now, ironically, guess where he lived in New York City in Manhattan? He lived in Hell's Kitchen. He just loved the irony. When I met with him, I was a little nervous. I wasn't worried about being killed in a satanic sacrifice. I was just worried, what is this going to be like? You know, I've studied Muslims and Hindus and Buddhists and New Agers, and, but, you know, the head of the church is Satan? Now, I'd like to tell you that he's become a Christian. He hasn't. He wrote me once and said, I'm trying to live a Jesus-free life. Um, but I survived the encounter, and, uh, and, you know, I still have a connection with him. He actually moved out of Hell's Kitchen and lives near my brother in the city of Poughkeepsie, north of New York. So, we want to do great things for God. It'll usually fit our gifting. We want to hear the, we want to hear the power, the, the comforting words, take heart. And listen, Anybody with brains knows that there's no magic in the stupid sense in Christian faith. It's not like you become a Christian and there'll be no more sickness, no more death. There will be tragedy. There will be sorrow. And in those moments, that's when you need to hear, take heart, it is I. My wife's sister, Darlene, lives her life now uh, with the knowledge, and it hurt uh, for Mother's Day especially, her daughter, our niece, uh, Jennifer, died five years ago in a tragic um, accident. Um, m- my sister-in-law, a wonderful, godly woman, has to live hearing the words of Jesus take heart in spite of the tragedy. So we do great things for God. We know the courage of of, uh, we hear the encouragement of Jesus, and you know the word courage is in the middle of encouragement. It took me years to figure that one out. Here's another point. We want to hear the word of Jesus to step out of the boat and to follow him. And in, in a way, this sermon or message will mean nothing unless we take step, steps to do things for God. Now, we don't want to overstate the miraculous element. I don't want you to go out of here and spend the rest of your life wondering, um, have I done a miracle today? Can I walk on water? Should I fill the bathtub and try it out? Uh, I, I don't want to, you to do that. I just want you to think about doing great for Jesus in whatever area you do. You know, I think if you ask my wife afterwards, does Jim ever walk on water? She'd say, well, 
Well, actually, he's, he's better at being on time than he used to be. Or actually, and then you can hear, hear her talk later. So we need to take steps of faith to follow Jesus and to step out. So Peter steps out, and now here, here's something important. If you take steps for Jesus, you're probably going to stumble along, not probably, you will stumble along the way. Peter stumbled when he saw the winds, the effect of the winds and the waves, he stumbled. Later on, he would stumble more grievously, denying Jesus three times. But again, even after that, Jesus reached out to him after the resurrection and said, feed my sheep. And you know, here's something amazing. If you said to Peter after this episode in Matthew, if you said, Peter, you found it hard to walk on water. You did it for a bit, then you stumbled. Then you stumbled at the, at when Jesus was on his way to death, denying him three times. But you've kept picking yourself up. And here's what's amazing. I think Catholics are right. Peter was the first major leader in the early church. Sometimes Protestants don't like to admit that. It sounds too Catholic. But if you read the list of the apostles, if you read Acts, it's clear that Peter is the major leader. So he led the church. And then, I don't know if you know this, but all the records about his life say that he died in, in under torture and was crucified upside down. Now, that's amazing, folks. Imagine what it takes to face that reality. You're being tortured in one of Nero's prisons and you're heading for crucifixion. And like the Apostle Paul, he kept the faith and along with other Christians in spite of martyrdom. Um, So, Jesus is with you. He's with you in the storms of life. He's with you when you don't even know it. And we can use that as, as an example. We can use that as truth to help us uh, in everything we do, that Jesus is with us. I, uh, my wife asked me if I was telling any weird stories today. I don't think I've been too weird. And I even told her I was going to end with the handshake story. I'm sorry if some of you heard this before, but I think it bears repeating. Okay, let's just do a test. Who knows the handshake story? Wow, I think there's a miracle, folks. You haven't heard it, which means you haven't been in my class yet. We don't want to focus too much on what we do. It's about what God does through us. So I want to tell you a true story. It happened to me. I can hardly believe it, but it happened. I'll never forget it. It, sh it. it shows that God can use you even when you don't know it. So maybe I can get an exact date if you want, but probably 15 or 20 years ago, I was trying to lead a, a couple out of this cult group. We won't need to get into the cult group and its history, etc. Uh, but I, so trying to get this guy out of the group, and it was a high-pressure, nasty cult. 
There's soft, gentle cults and there's nasty cults. This was a nasty cult. It, it would wreck your brain. The guys, uh, the, the couple I was trying to help, the, the wife left the group because she had a mental breakdown from being in the group. The husband was friends with the leader, close friends, and uh, he, he found it hard to leave. So here's the miracle. I got a joke for you first. The first miracle is I went exercising. <laughs> really, Jim? Yep. Back then I exercised quite a bit, so there's no big, it's not that big of a miracle. I went to the Pickering Rec Center. The guy's name I was trying to get out was Rob, and uh, we had a couple of friends in common, Bill and Janet, a husband and wife. So I knew Bill and I knew Janet, never met Rob. I knew about him, but he didn't want to talk to me. Anyway, I go to the rec center, and here's the miracle. I come out of whatever I was doing, I'm in the foyer, I see, <clears throat> I see Bill, I walk over and say, hi, Bill, and then he says, hey, Jim, here's Rob, right? Sound like a miracle so far? Shake hands in the, not too miraculous, is it? I shake his hand, okay? It changed his life. Why? Supernatural power oozing out of me? No. It's all in the timing. Three months later, he called me and said, come on over to my house. Uh, I want to leave the group. Oh, I was thrilled. So I go over and near the end of our conversation, he says, do you remember at the rec center? Remember I met you at the rec center? And I said, sure. He said... That day I wrote in my devotional, God, if you want me out of the group, I want to meet Jim today. Uh, we lived in Pickering 30 years. That's the only day I've ever met him in Pickering, other than when I went to his house. So, isn't it amazing? God can use us even when we don't know it. Because he's the God who is the creator who has all power. And so today... I would just love you to think about how God can use you and uh, you become a miracle worker and uh, if you learn to walk on water, I want to be the first to write a news report about it. But the big thing is whatever we do, let's remember who is with us and we look to his, his encouragement to have courage to take steps in darkness, in light, in the storms when it's not stormy and we do great things for Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the joy of worship in this wonderful building. Bless us in our lives and help us to work for you. And we thank you that in all of life we can hear the words of Jesus. Take heart, it is I. Don't be afraid. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go in peace.